I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A couple of years ago, I bought tickets for something I thought would be quite fun. Well, it turned out to be the best fun I'd had all year. It was Little Welly, a three kilometre obstacle course through mud and water, which tested and rewarded my children and me in a way that none of us had anticipated. And so I'm really excited that this episode of The Parenthood is sponsored by The Little Welly, one of my favourite family days out of the year. This unique family festival hosts the UK's largest obstacle course for children, full of muddy challenges in the great outdoors. The Little Welly lands in Kent in May and in Henley-on-Thames and Cheshire in June. So visit littlewelly.co.uk to find out more. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. When I was a child, the outdoors offered more fun than any playground or computer game could. I remember hours spent building forts, making mud pies and fleeing from imaginary wicked stepmothers in the woods. That my children would spend as much time outdoors as I did, I took for granted. The reality when I eventually became a mother was very different. Children today spend more time inside than any previous generation to the detriment of their health. And while we've done podcasts on reading, homework, vaccines and mindfulness, being outdoors is one of the most beneficial things we can do for our children. So with me today, I've got a true advocate of being outside. Alex Gregory is a double Olympic gold medalist, author, speaker and father of three whose book Dad Ventures has inspired parents to embrace the outdoors with their children. Alex, thank you so much for coming to speak to me today. Thanks for having me. Have you always loved the outdoors? Was this something that you had growing up that was very important to you? Absolutely. But I didn't necessarily know I loved it. It was just it was I was lucky enough just to have that. That was just my life. Mum and dad owned a garden center I was taken to work so we spent all weekends all afternoons after school outdoors in the garden center helping out that sort of stuff so it was just my life was just spent outside and did you have friends who were like inside playing computer games on the weekend and you wanted to be like that was that just not a part of your life it just wasn't a part of my life but but it wasn't a choice it wasn't even a thought I didn't even think about it no question about my friends definitely played computer games. I, I never wanted to. I remember never really wanting to, never really understanding computer games. Computer games just weren't really present in my life and never really have been. But, you know, those those friends as well would be outside as well. So if they came around to mine, they did, I know they'd enjoy being outside and doing the stuff we did as well. So they probably possibly had a more balanced life. I don't know. But uh, for us, it was just the natural thing to be outside. And as a rower, you were obviously, you've spent a lot of time outside, possibly in inclement weather. Was there ever a time where you were sort of outside rowing thinking, I wish I wasn't here, I wish I could be indoors? Or did you embrace all weathers? 
Absolutely no. I'm a nor- I'm a very normal human being. There were times when actually I would say I, I rode for 17. I took rowing seriously for 17 years. It was my job for 17 years, and probably we used to train three times a day, seven days a week, 350 days a year. And there probably wasn't a, a, a moment in every single session I did in that time where I didn't think, "What the hell am I doing? Why am I out here in this blazing sun or this freezing cold, this sleet, this rain, this wind?" Um, but ultimately, uh, once I got inside and sat down having breakfast and I, I knew that it was a good thing to be doing, but it wasn't always pleasant. And that's the thing I guess we need to focus on with our kids is that often when you go outside and it's rainy and wet and cold, and then, you know, that appeal of coming inside and getting dry and warm makes you feel really good about yourself, doesn't it? It's the satisfaction knowing that then you can spend the rest of the day inside as long as you've just been outside a little bit. This is my opinion on uh, or, or my take on life with children now. As long as we've been outside for a little bit, even five minutes in a blustery, windy day, then you it almost gives me permission to then go and sit in front of the TV or, or do anything else inside. But I think for us as a family, it's important to go outside a little bit, whatever. <laughs> So your book, Dad Ventures, is all about getting children to be outside and getting to enjoy it. Why is it so important for children to spend time outside? Well, I think there's just so many reasons. And I I, I honestly don't, perhaps there are, perhaps there is an argument for against it, but I cannot think of a single argument or, or reason why it's not a good thing to be outside fresh air it's good for there's been studies there's been studies in every, all sorts of things but studies in vision for example it's just one tiny little thing and what well, the, the children's vision is better if they spend time outside yeah because i guess they're seeing further distances and then you can inside yeah exactly uh, but then this, m- m- the things that i've thought about since writing the book and t- since talking about the book as well there's just really basic things like uh spatial awareness and uh, ability to be robust and climb and fall and trip over and fall and be be confident the confidence that comes from just existing a little bit outside is i don't think you can get from just being inside the whole time so and i I guess the respect too that sometimes nature is bigger than we are which is quite a healthy thing for children to realize that the sea or the wind or the whatever it is is more in control than you are which isn't the same indoors Absolutely. We un- we're not in- necessarily in control of everything we do. Uh, and Mother Nature is a greater force than we can impose on it. Mm. Mother Nature can impose a greater force on us. Uh, and what I, a concept I love is uh, helping children to notice things. I think it's really important that children... So we were talking earlier, but my dad always used to point things out to me and when I was younger, I remember, I remember the feeling, oh, shut up, Dad, it's boring. I don't want to know about the sunrise or the, the rainbow. Yeah, it's cool for a second, but don't go on about it. And the trees, my dad loves trees. He always has done. And he always used to test us on trees. What's that? What's that tree? Why is it doing that? Well, this sort of stuff. Uh, and I didn't, I haven't known it until recently, but my appreciation for what's around there, my sort of... Uh, ability to notice things around me and outside above below under our feet under rocks and stones comes from my dad doing that when I was younger and I do think if we encourage our children to notice things just spot the ant on the on the on the on the pavement on the way to school or in the city center the the way the bark comes off the tree 
those sort of things, then when our children start to notice these things, they start to care about these things. And when they care about these things, they want to then look after these things. And they're aware of that creatures exist, that life exists in urban environments, for example. And when they start caring about these things, yeah, they want to protect them and look after them. And I think that is a way we're going to improve or, yeah, improve the damage or overcome the damage that we do as humans well the the younger generation are the ones that are probably more you know passionate about our planet than any other previous generation and, and it makes sense you know it's their planet they're the ones that are going to have to live in it the longest yeah. what i've noticed especially when it comes to noticing that, and i love that idea of helping them noticing things is that what we think is interesting is not necessarily what they think is interesting and what we think is kind of boring or take for granted they often find fascinating we were on safari in easter the first time the kids went to africa and we we, we sort of went and did a, a couple of days and i remember we you know, at one point we were in the middle of this herd of elephant and it was just amazing they were sort of you could smell them you could you could almost touch them um and I found this amazing the kids weren't that interested but then we got to an anthill and they were fascinated by it and often it's the little things that we don't notice or we take for granted that sort of captures their imagination so I guess as a parent being open to opening your eyes as well is is going to help them hopefully feel passionate about their surroundings it's it's I, something I've realised since being a parent. It is a challenge. This parenting is just a challenge, right? I, the biggest challenge. <laughs> the biggest challenge. But but that's it. You've you've kind of hit a nail on the head for for something that I struggle with is is being patient enough to embrace the things they are interested in that I'm not necessarily. So I I, I don't like. I'm not a great player. I don't. I, I actually. My brother was massive into, big into Lego. He used to love Lego. And I'm just not a, I'm more of a, I suppose, maybe a doer, a practical, uh, digging a hole is my thing. But playing Lego isn't my thing. But one of my sons loves Lego. So I have to force myself to sit down and I could easily brush it away and go, no, I'm too busy. I can't do that. So it's been a huge lesson to me, that sort of thing. Exactly what you're saying, noticing what they are interested in, embracing that a little bit, takes a bit of effort. And, and you know, you talked about just playing, but independent play, I've talked to psychologists and they've said that's one of the most important things children do is that kind of make-believe, you know, inventing worlds, inventing scenarios, and then how would you react? It's sort of like playing at being a grown-up and the outside encourages that kind of more, I think, than the inside. There's so much out there. There's so much to see. There's so much to do. And it's sad when uh, a child, you hear a child say, I'm bored, I'm bored. Yeah, no. But it happens and it does happen. Yeah. Um, so I think that's our role. That's when we can step in and help that. And outside often is a time when they're a bit more independent. You know, they can go off and they can not be observed. You know, when they're indoors and I'm indoors, I'll often overhear their conversations. And my children are getting to the stage now where they they go up to their room and they go and play their games in their room. And they don't want me to be hovering outside the door, even though I find it hilarious and very interesting. Um, there's that. I'm sure there's that idea that we can go off into the woods or we can go off into the fields. And you can, they can still be seen, you know where they are, but they can be totally themselves. And actually, if I put themselves in, in you know, myself in their shoes, I don't want to be constantly observed by my children and I'm sure they don't want to be constantly observed by me so I guess it that freedom is something that we don't maybe appreciate enough from their point of view I think I think you're absolutely right and I think also that's the same feeling you get from 
going in a den. That's why kids love dens, because they're protected from the environment outside, their worries, their parents, grown-ups, adults. That's why dens are so good for children to build and for adults to build with them, I think. And I think we like dens as well. I suppose our homes are our adult versions of dens. Uh, and I think that's something that we should encourage. Yeah, it's that primal desire, I guess, to sort of build something that keeps you safe. Yeah, yeah, uh, a bit of safety to... Yeah, which Lego doesn't ever give you quite the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The other thing, I mean, that I was reading about is that, you know, vitamin D levels are, you know, quite low, I think, in today's generation, especially now that we slap so much sun cream on, which obviously is really important. But being outside, obviously, um, helps us absorb vitamin D, which is so important physiologically for us as, as human beings. It sort of gives us a stronger immune system and stronger bones. And um, so even though, I mean, there's this big um, fallacy, this idea that drives me nuts, that being cold will give you a cold, so that being outside when the weather's bad is is unhealthy, which is obviously not the case having a cold is a virus it's nothing to do with actually being cold and actually being exposed to the cold and the wet and even feeling a little bit chilly is not going to make you ill if anything it's going to make you stronger and more resilient yeah i think we shouldn't be afraid of being outside in whatever weather and we're in a developed society you're not going to be outside for long you can then go in and get warm and then and feel right again or feel comfortable again but outside is a good thing in rain in wet. your skin's waterproof right yeah <laughs> i learned that from my time in the boat <laughs> but you, you mentioned also vitamin d but there's the, i was also reading about the benefits of being outside and benefits of being around green spaces and trees and plants uh where there's something called f- f- uh phytocides phytocides which is a chemical released by plants yeah and it's beneficial to the immune system because it improves uh, our own, our body's own natural killer cells, which are in, in some cases are um, natural cancer-fighting proteins. So there's, there's studies into, I think, from what I read, there needs to be more studies into, but the benefits of being outside, breathing in the chemicals that plants release are beneficial and can reduce potentially could reduce cancers as well which i think is just extraordinary we don't even know the power of fresh air the the air that we call fresh from being outside yeah there's so many benefits and the exercise too i was talking to my sister who's a gp and she was saying how she went to a talk by um uh i forget what they're called you know the bone doctors um osteo 
Anyway, I'll find it. Um, <laughs> I'll put it in the episode notes. And he was saying that in the last generation, children are much less strong than they used to be. And this is presenting in terms of, you know, long-term injuries, especially with children who have hypermobility. Um, and, you know, we are a fifth as strong as, you know, children in the 40s were when they used to run around outside. And he said, to be honest, the best form of exercise is just being outside. Scooting isn't great because you're using one side rather than the other. You know, a lot of sports, can result in sort of stress injuries the best thing is for children to be climbing trees and running around and walking and engaging and building up their strength I mean I'm sure I've not seen a study but I'm sure if there was a study done and looked at people who lived who worked outside farmers for example um, and you compare their overall health to people that spend most of their time inside in front of a computer there's going to be a massive difference in terms of overall health Um, so you know like you said there is no bad reason to spend as much time outside apart from i guess time Uh, yeah totally but we can all make time and i and i think it doesn't have to be long as well to get some benefit any any time outside is better than zero time i think and so we've all got we've all got time we don't have time in these in our busy lives to spend hours and all day outside necessarily but you know five minutes here and there it, it, one of the chapters in my in my book, Dad Ventures, is after school activities, after school adventures, it's basically chapter one <laughs> or something. Uh, I can't remember. And um, it's that time where, I don't know if you find it, but when you pick your children up from school and then the next big thing in the day is dinner time. But what goes on in between that time? You homework maybe, but the kids are tired from home, from being at school. They're hungry, a little bit grumpy. Uh, well, this is what we have in our household, and I'm sure I'm sure it's, it's usual. Uh, what goes on in that time? So we try when we can. It's not, of course, not always possible, but when we can, to do something, just a little thing that's structured in that time, uh, structured in the form of plan. So we, we know when we go to school to pick the ch- children up, we know we're going to do something. And what um, might that be? That might be simply, so our route from school, we, we drive, we have to drive. We drive to school, it's maybe five miles. Uh, past, we're lucky, we go, we live in a village and we pass some fields. So we pull into the, into the lay-by, into the verge, basically. Sit just inside the field and sit, sit, sit. Sometimes I'll light a little fire or have a little camping stove or have a little hot chocolate, cup of tea. Or hot squash is actually what we usually have. And the kids will just look. They might. We might do our reading. So Daisy, Daisy is my five-year-old girl. She, uh, she loves. Re- she does love reading. So she does her reading there. And if it's raining, if it's a bit miserable, if it's a bit cold, we'll just wrap up under a little bit of plastic. Just wrap it up around us. It, we've just got this little tarpaulin at home that's in the boot of the car, and we'll just sit in that for a few minutes and five, ten, fifteen, half an hour, whatever, and. One of the most bonding experiences I have had in my Daisy, my daughter's life, was in that period after school. And uh, we just stopped for ice cream on the way home and we pulled into a a lay-by, sat in the field, and this swarm of ladybirds. We could see it from way away, a kilometre away, this black swarm coming do you know it was ladybirds? No, Do you think it was like locusts it was? or something? Was the <laughs> earth was, the world was ending. <laughs> but we sat there, we sat it out, we waited, and 
this suddenly this swarm came over us and these ladybirds were in Daisy's hair. They were in, on the, all over the car, in our shirts, in our tops, in our ice creams. We were in, it was the funniest thing for us in that moment. It doesn't sound, it's not that funny, but it was hilarious because this random natural event was occurring. And I didn't know what the ladybirds were doing. They were moving from one field to another in a swarm, whatever. But they came and hit us. And Daisy, this is a couple of years ago, Daisy still talks about that, still asks if we can stop for an ice cream and go to the ladybird field. Because it was just a moment that we had together, a precious moment that we will never forget. It didn't cost us anything, the price of an ice cream. We didn't have to have that ice cream. <laughs> uh, but we wouldn't have experienced that if we hadn't just stopped on the way home from school. So these things don't have to be big. Um, but they can change your day mm. and they can make memories for yeah, well, she'll remember that her whole life when you know she's in her 40s and reflecting on her her life she'll probably remember that and I hope she tries to do something like that if she has children or or, or whatever I hope yeah I hope that encourages her to do that sort of thing so I, that was going to be my next question. What tips do you have for getting kids outside? I mean, I think that's a really lovely, lovely idea. And, you know, even if you don't live in the country, I mean, we live in the city and when we walk to school, we I just try and make stories along the way. So there's one point where we walk past like a sort of um, under the tube and there's a sort of wall, brick wall on the side, which the children can climb on. And for them, they always pretend they're climbing Everest um, because their father I climbed don't. Everest. <laughs> they, you know, so it's their little Everest. And now it is referred to as Everest. Come on, let's quickly go and, and you know traverse the Hillary step and um, so even that just makes that kind of boring really quite urban walk to school a bit more adventurous a bit more exciting and you can have these tell these stories through through going on walks that's such a good such a great example but uh, it's our role I think it's our role to do that and make those times interesting and it just takes a little bit of effort from us doesn't it because there is a bit of kickback isn't there I mean I, I think I think no child is always like, brilliant, let's go outside. There's always a little bit of kickback. And quite frankly, sometimes when it's pouring with rain, I don't really want to go outside either. But I also know how unproductive and unrewarding a day, a whole day inside is, even if it is really filthy weather outside. So sometimes you just got to give yourself a bit of a push. And I mean, do you ever force your children to go outside if they really don't want to? All the time. And it's, it's as much as it's, force, it's me forcing them outside, it's it's me forcing me outside as well. Mm. Uh, and I did used to struggle that when I when my job was outside. I was outside the whole time. All I wanted to do when I came home was to go inside. But the benefit, the, the problems we are, we have in our household is that the kids are all on top of each other. When they're inside the whole time, that's when arguments start. Mm. That's when frustrations build up. That's when the energy levels become too high. Mm. And so just taking that breath of fresh air, having a bit of wind in your hair, running for a little bit, um, brings that all down. One of the things that I, I think an idea for an activity or idea for something structured is like, like you say on the way to school, you can set up a little treasure hunt for them. So my dad, I learned this again from my dad. And I didn't, again, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I do now. He was a master of a little... Uh, sort of riddles so sort of treasure hunt riddles and he'd create this little phrase that would lead us to the next clue and he'd hide a little uh, scrumpled bit of paper in a 
in a in a wall in a hole in the wall or uh, in the branch of a tree or something and he created birthday parties for me based on this so we'd go all across the countryside following these riddles a group of my mates charging across having the best time I didn't realize it at the time but it was dad cutting costs <laughs> creating the cheapest birthday party he could but it make it creates such an exciting little world for your child at that time I can't I can't be bothered to do it all the time I can't do it all the time it's for, for us it's a once-off but or a couple of times you know here and there but uh, yeah creating little riddles I remember when the children were little taking them on a walk and you know when you sort of often when I go for a walk down in the country it's like a sort of circular walk and you get halfway around and they're like oh I want to go home I'm tired my legs hurt and you just think well we can't because we're at the furthest point from home and you kind of think what can I do and I remember I was I once took six kids and two dogs on my own so I couldn't even carry them all um anyway so I decided to tell them a story but instead of telling them a story I was telling them the story that we were in so I basically um made up that we were we'd gone up in a spaceship and we'd landed in a world full of dinosaurs and the sheep in the field were dinosaurs I was like guys we need to creep past them they cannot see us they cannot see us we'll be creeping past us like quick one of them seen us everyone down on the ground and so they'd all be on the ground and you know they were kind of semi-believing this they loved it so much to the point that when we kind of nearly got back to the house you pass the church and there's a little kind of little sort of gate into the church where you can sit and I was like here's our spaceship to take us back forevermore this has been referred to as this as a spaceship and the children you know this must have been four or five years ago that I did this they still talk about the adventure walks because you know it was it was harnessing the power of their imagination which is so vivid when you're a child so much more vivid and so the opportunity for kind of real excitement is is there much much greater capacity um and it was such an easy thing to do because we just went for a walk i just told them a story it was a bit wacky it was totally uncredible and if an adult had been there i might have been a bit embarrassed to tell this ridiculous story (laughs) but they loved it. it had this captive audience that made me feel amazing like the best storyteller in the world but little things like that, I think, can can really help them appreciate what what it what fun it is to be outdoors. And I love that; it's brilliant. And it doesn't all it takes is from you is a little bit of thought effort. Exactly, and either you can sort of wing it, or occasionally now um, I'll sort of set clues. Like I found an old like load of keys, old rusty keys, in a drawer somewhere. I didn't know what it was for. I was like, I know they can they can find it, and then maybe find it with a note that I've written about some robbers who have buried some treasure. And they sort of they don't quite know if it's real or not, and they get really involved in it. And all it it was me sort of unlocking their imagination and they sort of take it further and so now we have quite a lot of games involving robbers and buried treasure in the woods and and you know it's that is more fun than a computer game or watching something on telly perfect absolutely and and the skills they're learning when they're running through the woods and running down the street finding those robbers and unearthing that treasure then there's other things involved as well so it's combating killing so many birds with one stone and then a sort of operating as a group too you know I quite like putting different age children together because they each have different roles and the older ones will look after the younger ones and in a way makes them a bit more responsible too doesn't it because you have to trust them not to do stupid things while they're outside and you're giving them a degree of freedom and I think that's that's probably something that most of us parents wrestle with will they be okay what if one of them falls out the tree and then no one comes to get us you kind of got to trust that they're not going to do that. I mean, we all have this inherent desire to survive and 
you know, humanity and children in particular has survived much more hostile situations than probably any of our children are going to experience. Yeah. So I guess you've got to just trust that they will do the right thing. But pitting them in an age group where there are different ages is, is probably only going to help that. Yeah, as but long as as long as my son and daughter aren't uh, together in their group, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a nice quiet time. <laughs> Don't you think, though, you know, because you very often have two children that just rile each other, especially if they're siblings or they know each other really well. And you suddenly put them in a position of power within a group and they're much, much, much better behaved because they know that you're trusting them. You've yeah. demonstrated that you trust them. And often that behavior is then so much better. Absolutely. I think trust is a, is a huge thing that we can give our children as you exactly as you say but also in a practical way to the way giving them trust is a way to teach them skills for example using a pen knife so of course my boy he loves knife pen knives his knife using his knife to make an arrow or whatever and i was really wary about that i remember cutting my fingers and the it's not a nice thing you don't want your child to cut your finger but i think we can help that we as long as we are there as long as we are observing like just guiding then they have to learn these things and that's why lighting fires as well so that's one of the things that we try and do all the time whenever we can whenever in a place where it's possible to do because i think when you teach a child a, a potentially dangerous skill Fires are dangerous, no question about it. Of course they are. But you can teach a child how to create a fire that's safe, a small fire, how to be in control of a fire, how to light a fire without a match, how to do all these. These things are fun. For for children of all ages, these things are fun to do and these skills are important to learn. I used to go on, we used to have a fire on a, on a training camp uh, in rowing in Austria and it was we were in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and at the end of our training camp every year we'd have a little fire to sort of celebrate the end of the training and look forward to going home whatever it was just a, like a team bonding experience and we were adults by this time and all most of the guys there I hope they don't listen to this but they were piling stuff on massive making a massive bonfire no one could get the stuff fire light uh, lit uh, so we ended up getting petrol from the coaching launch putting it on that was the only way the fire could be licked it was so massive so out of control if something god forbid not nothing did ever happen but if it got out of control and no one could have done anything it would have just gone it was so massive that's why i'm so intent on teaching my children how to control little just a little fire in a tin can it's a great skill. It's a great ability. And then they can build bigger fires later. But the, but it's not just about fire. It's about the skills to be able to do other things and control other environments and situations that are potentially dangerous. Yeah, to anticipate danger, to respect fire and knives. I mean, you talked about the kind of cuts and on the on the finger. I mean, we can't go through life. You can't have an adult and be like, I've never cut myself. Because actually, you probably then think that cut is going to be the most painful thing. Because actually, a cut looks much worse often than it is. So if you've never experienced a cut, you don't realise it's actually pretty benign and it looks absolutely fine. So I think it's really important for children to cut themselves and to understand. I mean, that's sort of part and parcel of, of being a... A grown-up. I remember about two years ago, Ludo got a bunch of pen knives for, for Christmas, just from different people. And on Christmas Day, big, big oh, cut no. on his hand. To be honest, um, I fixed it. It was fine. But um, that is just part of, of, you know, you do it once, you're not going to do it again. Humans are clever. Children are really, really clever. Yeah. And there is something 
fascinating about stuff that's a bit dangerous. And if we get too health and safety on our children, it's like taking the fun away from life, isn't it? Yeah. I see my son, like he's fascinated by a fire. Whenever we build a fire, he gets a stick and he pokes it in and he tries and burns little things, you know, little holes in paper or there is this absolute fascination. And actually I trust him to be safe at the fire because he is very risk averse as a sort of general person. I think a lot of today's children are. But he could spit, sit and spend two hours just looking and experimenting safely with fire. And for me, that's kind of a great way to get them outside. The other day, it was, it was a bit drizzly. It was a bit miserable. We were all getting a bit on top of each other. I was like, let's go and build a furnace. And we had these like spare bricks. So we built with these bricks a little furnace and sort of so we could, without the wind, light this little fire. And then, you know, got some apples and wrapped them in tinfoil and baked them in the fire and they ate the apples. And, and that was like four hours of them having the most fun ever. Only it was basically all revolved around the fire and getting the fire. And I gave them the matches and I was like, you need to learn to light it yourself. And fine, we went through three boxes of matches, but it's a skill they need to learn. It's not, and it's so easy as a parent to go, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. But you kind of need to let them experiment in the way that many, many generations did before us. It might take a little bit longer everyone will be benefiting from letting them do it. My, one of the proudest things is my daughter. We, were, we, kept, we had been out one afternoon, not so long ago, and we said, we're going to come home, we're going to sit in front of the fire, we'll light the fire, sit in front of the fire and have a nice... We, we have a home pub, so we'll just have a drink at home. It's just like, go to the pub at, at home. And, uh, <laughs> you actually have a pub at home? No, no, no we just have <laughs> drinks sitting around okay. together by the fire. We just call it the pub. Okay. <laughs> pub afternoon. And uh, we, we'd been outside anyway, so it was okay. And uh, and we, I, I'd gone f- out the back, fiddling with the dogs, putting the dogs out, whatever. Uh, no, none of us had gone in the living room where the fire is, but the fire was on when we got in, when we when we all eventually came in to have our pub, and we're like, "How's the fire lit?" And Daisy had done it. She's five. She'd lit it all herself. She'd done it perfectly. She'd done it with a bit of newspaper in the bottom some kindling some logs she'd on top it. she'd laid it she'd herself done it. she'd laid it Amazing. herself and lit it so we had to talk to her about lighting a fire without an adult in there but inside I was like you you're, I'm so proud of you that is that's it's mum Emily at home she struggles with lighting the fire but she's learned because we've done it time and time again outside I was really proud of her about that yeah that was a good day <laughs> I think that's that's really fantastic. Um, one of the things that I feel is really important, and it's something that I kind of come across in pretty much every podcast I do, is that children will model the behaviour they see their parents exhibiting. And I think if you really want your kids to enjoy being outside, you've got to show them that being outside is really fun. You've got to model that positivity about being outside. So when it is raining be really excited to be outside one of the things we do when it's miserable weather which let's face it in England is quite a lot of the time is puddle jumping because actually getting wet when you don't really want to is a bit boring but kind of embracing that that mud and wetness is just such fun isn't it we we I I just had my phone with me and I was like okay right guys we're going to do the world puddle jumping championships and I kind of you know I voiced it over like I was working for the BBC and and the kids think that video is the funniest thing and they ended up rolling in the puddles and it was fine because we were like five minutes walk from home and I literally emptied the wellies out and water came pouring out everything had to go into the the washer but that was fine because we could do it and one of the things that I remember most my grandmother saying to me about why I could go out in the rain she was like you're not made of sugar you're not going to melt and I remember 
that was like real layman's terms that a child could absolutely understand and we are a bit afraid of of wet and cold and like thinking it's going to be bad for us but it just i think it's more enriching we get worse as adults as well why is that i don't i don't know why we do do you think we get lazier we definitely (laughs) and more sensitive to the environment i think i I'm, i'm not sure lazier yeah because we're the ones who have to do the washing we're the ones who have to clean up the mess i suppose but is it a big deal no never and I suppose the outdoors, when you're a child, it's so exciting. You know, my children could spend hours and hours and hours jumping in puddles. I get bored after a little bit. And I'm like, right, come in, guys. And they're like, no, we want to play on. But, you know, for them, the sort of joy of that repetition is sort of unparalleled to our own, isn't it? And we're putting ourselves in their situation. So we are, we are watching them jump in puddles in soaking wet kit, having been clothes, having been outside for half an hour we think they're cold now my children go to school in all all weathers all year in short really short you know short shorts shorts and dresses that's un, i i don't wear shorts at all the, now <laughs> these days because it's too cold too cold but children they don't feel it the same as we it's us projecting our feelings on them isn't it i think yeah yeah and I mean, one of the things I think that people probably struggle with the most in terms of getting their kids outside, especially giving them the freedom, is how do you encourage children to be, you know, to embrace risk? Because I think that's a big part of enjoying being outside and and also enjoying being a child, but not to be reckless. Because I think that there's so many challenges you face. You want to protect your child so much, but then you don't want to be overprotective because I don't think you're then being a, a good parent. Do you have any tips on on how to encourage parents to to give their children enough freedom but know when to put the limits on? I think it's about encouraging being there. Um, You don't have to be on their shoulder the whole time. You don't have to be, you know, in their faces telling them what to do. But as long as, I think as long as you are there mitigating the risks, just gently guiding away from the really dangerous things... Mm. Then I think that's I think that's the only way. But, but but being aware of yourself so that you are you are not forcing yourself on them. So you are stepping back. You are letting them explore as much as they can, and you believe they can. So we, we've just moved house to a, a place on on the coast in in Somerset, and there's cliffs nearby. And the sea. The sea, the sea, and cliffs, and the cliffs are high. You know, we just have to, we're, we've just managed to, we're renting this place. We're so lucky, we're so close to the sea. But the, walking to the cliffs, it's nervous, nerve-wracking. The kids don't think about it, they don't feel it, because they don't know the risks. But no, I see this as a, a, a right now as my job to teach them or to show them or to make them aware that this is a dangerous environment, potentially. You can look, you can be careful in that dangerous environment but it's a good lesson to me for me right now this question you're asking right now is is happening to me right now so I have to be aware of where they are I have to show them the safe way to do it but also let them let them discover let them explore because they'll just relent um, resent me otherwise I think and and maybe push the boundaries themselves one day and that's when I think accidents do happen when they are doing something they're not allowed to do but yeah. if I allow them in to secret. do it in secret, yeah, and that is the it's got to be a parent's biggest fear. It does, but then you think about how 
children survive in in very different environments in war zones in you know 200 years ago children would play on the railway tracks and you know there was just I mean obviously a lot more children died from their injuries but at the same time we survived as a species (laughs) you know cave children you know probably took a, a load more risks and and they did ultimately you know most of them survived so I think we need to give our credit our children credit for probably being survivors more than we think absolutely I'm sure they bounce. Don't we say that with babies? Well, they babies do bounce. bounce. <laughs> they do bounce. And also children's, I was talking to my sister about this. She was saying that children's bones are malleable. Because, so they're much more difficult to break. You know, if they fall off the top of a little shed, they're more likely to be absolutely fine. Their bones become much more brittle when they grow up. So actually it's much better that they're taking those risks and learning where their boundaries are when they're eight. And there's hopefully a parent not too far away um, than when they're, you know, 18 and they've had three pints of beer and you know so you're almost you're giving them the benefit of the doubt you're saying I trust you I trust you to make the right decisions and they're much more likely than to make the right decisions and if you go I don't trust you and it might not be that you're saying that but it might be just that you're implying that through the words of cautious and caution and not letting them do things um you know that that I think it's quite good to empower them with your trust absolutely so that's a that's a I think that's something we can all employ that's what I need to employ a lot more, allowing my, giving my children trust, automatic trust. And I think that perhaps you can take that trust away if something happens and you can create a lesson from that. But if you automatically give them trust, then you're really starting on the right foot, I think. Mm. Uh, and, like, you know, also in the 21st century, there are things we can do. So I got um, this like set of walkie talkies that aren't even children's walkie talkies because in my experience they're all a load of rubbish um, they're kind of proper walkie talkies that cost like 50 quid or something but they're really reliable and when the kids go off into the woods I just give them each a walkie talkie and then at least I kind of you know know where they are and they can call me if there is an issue or you know I know I have a friend who's given her children really basic phones that you can only phone from and you have like 10 pre-programmed numbers and you know so if they get into trouble they can call but it's different to giving them a smartphone on which they can you know be on the internet and you know not being present and outside yeah that's those are great ideas yeah and even like even things like getting them to learn your mobile number Mm. so if they do get lost they can say well this is my mummy's phone number and you know then that's a a little bit easier you hear these amazing stories of of children who've parents have had accidents or something at home and rung 999 but they've the the likelihood is their parent has taught them how to the number to ring, what to say, uh, to be calm in that situation. But often kids, like, even if you haven't given them that lesson, actually, I think we need to give them credit for they probably would do the right thing. Yeah. You, you wouldn't want to put it to the test. But actually, through observing us and observing, you know, they slightly know when the shit hits the fan. You know, they, they're yeah. aware of that. Yeah. And I just think we just need to, to trust in them. Yeah. a little a little more and give them the benefit of the doubt obviously within reason yeah the other thing is traffic teaching them to cross the road safely because obviously we talk about so dangers like cliffs and yeah. falling off things and fire but for me the kind of big scary thing is the kind of the roads and and looking but again you just instill in them that they look and uh, you know that they listen that they're aware i'm at the stage where my nine-year-old has a friend in the village down in the country and you have to walk along I don't know, 40 metres of little country lane. And there's no pavement or anything. Um, but I want them to be able to go there on their own. I want them to be able to, you know, 
have that independence to go over to their friend's house. And so we just say, call me when you're there. Yeah. So there's that kind of, I'm not just letting them go and lead their own lives, but I'm saying, I trust you enough to do that. And I've watched them secretly and they are hypervigilant. If I'm there, they're sort of like lounging in the middle of the road and they have absolutely no awareness. But as soon as they know they're on their own, they are much, much, much more aware. So um, that's, I'm sure that happens with everything. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. We're, we're, it is, that's our influence on them. Again, we we do need to automatically trust them, tr- trust trust kids more than we do. I think. Yeah, you're totally right. How how interesting observing them from afar, spying and seeing them, on them, spying on them. Yeah, because you can fit trackers on your kids. <laughs> you can give them a watch, and but I guess a phone is a tracker a too. A phone, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, we of course the, the media doesn't help. The media, you know, you hear all these horrific stories about children that have been abducted and lost but you know it is so 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 rare and it probably doesn't worry warrant not giving our kids a childhood no no that's it it's the media media awareness in our in our minds of that there's it's probably no different to 100 years ago Mm. in terms of abductions or whatever Mm. but we just hear about it more so we're more aware of it so our fears our heckles are raised because of that so and remembering that these stories are reported in newspapers whose mission is to tell us a good story not necessarily tell us the most accurate story they want to sell papers there we go (laughs) it put into perspective for me at the end of last summer we went out to austria to stay with my parents and uh, i said what was the favorite part of your holiday and we did amazing things we went up to the mountain we spent a night above the tree level and we we climbed mountains and swam in the lakes and did incredible things i was like what was your favorite thing and they said that afternoon when we got to go into the woods all alone (laughs) and it put it into perspective how independence is probably something we take for granted as adults but it's such a gift for children so just giving your children the opportunity to be grown up and to be trusted and to be on their own and decide their own afternoon and what agenda and what games they play is probably well it was for my children the most enriching experience and a really exciting holiday I wonder if if we don't give our children those opportunities to have a little bit of time on their own are they going to are they going to want to leave home earlier? Are they going to want to be away from us sooner? Well, I'm hyper aware, we are as a couple at home, hyper aware of how quickly our children are growing up. We see it because we've got a younger son and, a, and, a, and an older son. So the, the, the age ranges are quite different and we see the difference between those. But also from, from I, I know you, you, you guys experience this in your family, I'm sure, but from time from when I used to be away a lot, uh, the, the differences and the changes and the developments in our children change so quickly. I want to be aware of every little thing. I want to be as much as I can be aware of the here and now in the time with them. So I, I'm afraid of them leaving. <laughs> I'm afraid of them wanting not to be with me. They're at this beautiful age where they do want to be with me at the moment. I have to make the most of that. So how do we make sure that they want to do that? I envy, I didn't want to used to be with my parents when I was a teenager. I was embarrassed for, for no reason at all. Nothing, no reason at all, but I was. Adolescence. Adolescence, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the reason. Yeah. But I, I was always envious of, of the, the parents who, or the, the, my colleagues or my friends who didn't care, sort of went out with their, their mums and dads and, you know, had that amazing relationship. And I have a good, really good relationship with my parents, but not in that kind of way. 
I'd love that with my children. Is it for give, by giving them independence now when they're younger? Maybe. I think it yeah. is. You know, I was talking to my mother about this the other day and I'm really close to my parents and pretty much was the whole way through. And I was talking to her about exactly that and my fears that, you know, they're soon not going to want to spend time with us. And she said, to be honest, I think that you liked our lifestyle. You liked what we did, that we all had fun together and whatever age you are, you thought it would be quite fun to join us. And I think that comes back to what we started talking about, being the fun parent who's full of ideas that, you know, they don't have to be expensive and they don't have to be flashy and amazing experiences. They can be sitting in a field and observing a swarm of ladybirds getting into your ice cream. That's what you want to cultivate and that's what will make them want to come back to you. And even if there's a short period of time where they don't because it's adolescence, when they have their own kids, they will want to come back to you. Yeah. And ultimately, if we've taught them how to enjoy the planet, which is like the best, it's our best asset as as a species. Yeah. Our planet, like all of us agree that what nature can show us and teach us and, you know, enthrall us with is unrivaled. You know, humans can't create anything like that. And if we can start them young to show them like what we have before we even buy an Xbox or travel or whatever it is. That's probably the most important thing we've done as a parent, isn't it? It's the biggest gift we can give. Yeah. Alex, thank you. It's been so great chatting to you. I could go on and on and on about uh, my passion for getting kids outside, but it's been great having you here. And thanks. I loved hearing all those stories. I've never even seen a swarm of ladybirds. I'm a bit jealous now. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk again. Yeah. (laughs) You can can get uh, Alex's book, Dad Ventures. It's a brilliant read, a must-have in the armory of any nature-loving parent. It's available from Amazon and all good bookshops. For more information on Alex, his website is alexgregorygb.com com lots of information about his adventures uh you're on instagram too aren't you alex yes the same thing isn't it alex gregory gb perfect so have a have a look at uh, alex's instagram because that's very inspirational for children with young children lots of ideas thank you all for listening to another episode of the parenthood please don't forget to subscribe rate and review us it makes us more visible on itunes and easier for new listeners to find us you can also follow me on instagram i'm at marina.fogel but in the meantime from alex and me thanks for listening goodbye and enjoy the outdoors this weekend hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.